It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Ray, and these are a lot of dudes. Just, it is a sausage party up in just here. Just a lot of... <laughs> Not the Seth Rogen movie, just... Uh, Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Although there was a good orgy at the end of that. <laughs> From what I hear. Oh, good okay. is kind I've never of a, seen it. a yeah, no. stretch. All right, so I'm with my normal host, Ryan. Hello. Derek is in Tampa, so he is joining us in spirits and... He's a force ghost over in the corner. You can't force see him. Ghost. He looks like Ben Kenobi. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> nice. I like it. FX and then pending. our costume couture host, Ian. Hi. And our guest. We have Jordan. What's up? And Chris. Hello. So, guys, we've, we've got a fun topic tonight. We're talking about the best 90s movies. And since I did the outline, I allowed everybody to pick both personal and, you know, culturally... The best, you know, objective and subjective here. Um, I hope you guys brought your A game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> My book isn't as thick as his, but that's not important. I spent so long creating <laughs> I hear it's so more about the way it is written. <laughs> yeah. I really spent a lot of time, you know, cultivating this list. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm sure we'll all be able to tell exactly how much time you spent sure. cultivating your list. Absolutely. So, some fun stuff happened this weekend. First of all, I saw War of the Planet, War for the Planet of the Apes, and it was fantastic. Spider Man got dethroned after it's on its second week. Yeah, Spider Man dropped significantly. Huge, like that's, that's the power of Andy Circus right there. Biggest Marvel drop ever. Yeah, it was a big one. Yeah, which is disappointing because it wasn't that. I mean, it wasn't a terrible movie of the no. Spider Man movies. It was pretty. You know, decent. So. And out of the Marvel movies, it was still decent. Yeah. So it was kind of a disappointment. But. Michael Keaton, though. Man, Michael Keaton. I mean, I know we got to bring him up on every podcast. So. You know. Drops <laughs> my pen and I'll lose my complete Rachel, rationality. Her pen is her fidget spinner, so she has to constantly hear right. it or she can't focus on what's it's happening. Serious. It's a serious need. But yeah. War for the Planet of the Apes. Really good film. I enjoyed it. Anybody else see it this weekend? No, I'm going to see it no. tomorrow, okay. I think. Unfortunately, so, I just caught up on the other two movies yesterday. I bought, fair enough. I bought the two-pack. So. I'm going to say that it might just be a perfect trilogy. It tells a really good story from start to finish, and they do good things with characters. You know, the apes are the stars and not the humans. So. Dadgummit. I know. How am I supposed to relate to apes? Right. Give me more single white apes or men. That's single not... white apes. No, I don't know what I want. That's that's Congo, I think. Hey, Ernie Hudson was great in that movie. So he was. I mean, he I was. want you more want single, single white apes. Go back and watch the Mark Wahlberg version. Okay. There you go. Well, I'll not do that. Marky Mark, not my. Name. Um. Yeah. So. Anyway. Uh, 
I think what you're alluding to is the fact that uh, the BBC pissed off a lot of people this weekend. Well, man, whatever. But they also made a ton of people really happy. And, and why is that? Yeah, About 50% of the population was pissed off and 50% of the population was happy, so give or take. <laughs> Anybody left over just doesn't have a TV, so it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, they made the doctor a woman. She's being they played did. by Jodie Whittaker for... Whether you like it or not, it's happening. Yes. Disappointing it's not Haley Atwell. But Same. You know. I, will, I will share that sentiment. Like, I think people were hoping for something... Ginger? More... <laughs> I don't know what the ginger obsession is because I'm not a so comedian, but David it's a joke, Tennant, isn't it? when he regenerated, he said, oh, "Still not a ginger." And then Matt Smith, when he regenerated, he was like, "Ah, oh, still not okay. a ginger." So it's an in-universe joke. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and honestly, I think it'd be more funny if they never made the Doctor a ginger. I think it's just a funny as he's more disappointed as it goes on. Oh come on again! Yeah, exactly. It's to me, it's just funnier if they're never a ginger. Plus, you know, we gingers are soulless; can't be doctors. True. That's, yeah. Good point. Well, there are soulless doctors, but <laughs> they're practicing. That's, of course, that's the of course. So, let's leave Doctor Who for another episode. We can talk about all the cool things and obviously sexist things that's going to come from this because you know that's the world we live in. That's the world. But Derek we isn't live. with us in just in spirit. He's also with us in our chat. So, Is he? Yeah. I see. Hooray! You can't tell me how to get the chat up, so I can't. Classic Derek. Communicate. So there was some other Marvel stuff that happened. Uh, D23 Absolutely. Expo happened this last weekend, which yes. is big Disney convention happens every two years, I think, and yes. uh, they showed an Infinity War teaser there. They mm-hmm. did. Yeah, they sounded pretty cool. From the, the descriptions are out there. A ton of the cast on there. They also revealed. Which they said was only a third of the people in, right. the, in the whole cast. Yeah. But they also reveal Thanos is Black Order, oh. which are his children. Um, they, at first, like on Friday night, they just revealed four statues under capes, and people thought it was going to be the Fantastic Four, and I was like, absolutely not. Oh, you, right, guys right. you guys are crazy. Yeah, that's, that's too much. That's not happening. But it's the Black Order, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much akin to the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, if you... Not to steal the thunder from X-Men Apocalypse. Right, but. right. Well, there's no thunder to steal from that movie. I don't know. They did tell it's a, a better X, Yeah, they did a tell a better Weapon cloud. X story than, you know, the very first one. That was the only enjoyable <laughs> part of the movie. <laughs> Even if it was tacked on. Yeah. I still can't get past I the News, so. Yeah, agreed. Uh, okay. So, yeah, if you want to hear what the trailer was, I'm sure it's yeah. going to release this week with San Diego Comic-Con. It for sure um, But... Yeah, or something along Thanos that line. Thanos is shown with two stones, yeah, and he's able to wield a planet as a weapon because of those two stones, apparently, in the which trailer. Which is really cool. Which is crazy. Captain America has a beard, so I'm hoping yeah. he gets his nomad suit. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be pretty mm-hmm. cool. They also said that they're going to do an entire superhero Marvel like land adjacent to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, there's lots of lands being built. I'm dying for this news. Like, you get the property, you build an amusement park. That's all there is to it. Yep. I'll go to Asgard. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Mm. Wakanda? Yeah, that would be cool. Wakanda would be pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. It's, from what we've seen in the trailer, very beautiful. So. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. So, best movies of the 90s. Uh, let's see. I think I started last time, so. Okay, okay. Make one of the, these folks do it. Well, let's have They're guests for a reason. We need to put the pressure on them. He's a guest host. All right. 
So, just any order doesn't matter? Any order. Cool. I'm probably going to go chronological, but don't let that influence you. Derek well, would go it won't because I don't have the dates on here, so. Or <laughs> it, how much money they made. Now, mind you, I was born in 1993. Ugh. So I, Why would you say that? Just hold on, I'm <laughs> prefacing just to, So, a lot of these movies I've not seen until, you know, the 2000s, mid-2000s, what have you. But some of them yeah. I did see in the 90s. So, the first movie I have is Mrs. Doubtfire. Because that is the first movie I saw with, Rob, with Robin Williams in it. That was my introduction to him. Yes. Uh, Live action? Yeah. Okay. So it was made off a $25 million budget, made $441.3 million. Cool. Uh, Chris Columbus directed it, had Sally Field in it, Robin Williams, uh, Pierce Brosnan, uh, the kids, Matilda was in it. I can't remember her name. Matilda. One of the Lawrence boys. Yeah, one, this is one of them. Uh, and it's just super funny. It's physical comedy. It's, you know, prosthetics. It's just a whole mess of funny. And I always laugh at it. And whenever I feel sad, I always put that movie on. That's so a good one. How do you guys feel about Mrs. Doubtfire? I think it's a good choice. I, I remember just watching it recently myself. Like, my dad went to the store and bought one of those four-packs. It's like a family four-pack. And in the four-pack was... Mrs. Doubtfire. We put it on for the kids, and they loved it. And they're like eight and three, and they thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember watching it, thinking, you know, there's some jokes in here that would not fly in this decade. <laughs> yeah, no, not so much. But they, they, because of the time, they got away with the humor, and I thought that was well done. I can appreciate movies that do that. It's okay. We just have somebody jackhammering in the background. We have we're doing some construction on the next house where it's gone. I'm not entirely sure which appliance that is. Like I okay. can't even pinpoint. We're expanding that. the basement. We'll yeah, we're expanding the, bar- the basement. We're not telling Derek about it. He's finding out live on this podcast. So to get in the chat and uh, see how he reacts. Yep. <laughs> I do want to say we're getting a lot of uh, people talking in chat about their favorite '90s movies. That's we awesome. did have some rules. Put on to us by yes. Rachel specifically. She's the one that ruined all our lists. Um, right. Mine was not ruined because of this. So, so, so some of these movies specifically: uh, Independence Day, uh, Fifth Element, uh, Jurassic, Jurassic, and Park. Jurassic Park. Those those movies are off of our list because we've already talked about them quite a bit on the podcast. There's probably some other ones that we could add to that, honestly. But Matrix, uh, the Terminator Two, like we talk about yeah. them a lot because they hit our. Um, I don't know what you call it. They, they get our sci-fi ones yeah. and, you know, our essential geek podcast. We've, we've talked about them. They're groundbreaking films. So. Technically, though, there's only three films on yes. the list. So yes. those other films may get mentioned Yes, and that's fine. Point. We totally can. Derek because... said that's a fridge, by the way. Oh, okay. Oh. Cool. Thanks. For everybody wondering. <laughs> <laughs> On the edge of your seat about the noise. You know, it's also personal and objective. It's hard to have a movie about the 90s, or a podcast about the 90s movies and not mention The Matrix because of how revolutionary it was. So, anybody want to talk The Matrix since we're on it? Did anybody have that one on their list? I did did not. I did have it on there. There you go. Jordan. I got every album. Do it. Bring bring on. All the knowledge. Uh, came out in '99. Um, budget so was barely only, '90s, but it yes, was '90s. Yes. Budget of 63 million made 463.5 million in the box office. Itself. That's incredible. Of course, with especially '99. Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, of course, yes. one of the best ones in there. And I can never get their names right, but the Wachowski brothers. I well, they were the brothers then. They're not the brothers now. They're the sisters now. Yes. Still. Yes, the I, Wachowskis. 
Wachowski or Wachowski? Wachow. Wachow. I was Wachow. gonna get, was gonna get the wrong one word. Everybody just say Wachow. 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 I love I refuse. it. Refuse. Oh. Of course. Of course. Killjoy. Yeah, that movie. That movie, along with uh, Fifth Element, I think, and probably Independence Day in the '90s, was kind of reintroduced sci-fi to the world because sci-fi had been kind of a dwindling. It really genre did get forgotten about in the 80s. In the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Um, There's a couple other movies in there that can give partial credit to. But absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was a brilliant film. The choreography was interesting. The uh, way it was filmed was revolutionary. That like 360 camera blew everybody's minds when they saw it. Um, you know you've done a good thing when everybody else is copying you for at least the next 10 years. Yeah. And started questioning their own existence. Yes. And everybody wore trench coats after that, too. Yep. So. And sunglasses, too. Sunglasses. Are, those, yep. are those not cool anymore? Uh, no, I think they're coming back. You should keep your collection. Sweet. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like about it was just, like, like you said, everyone copied them. I got really yeah. tired of the bullet thing and like every other... I mean, but that's not the fault of that movie. Like, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, like, okay, enough. I get okay, it, we yeah. can move on from this now. <laughs> so everybody's in agreement. Whether you like the Matrix or not, it's pretty important to mm-hmm. films for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, as long as we're talking about the first one only. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> you mean dirty, smelly hippie orgies? Not important. Mm-hmm. No, 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 it's not. I'm, I'm no, no. I'll, I'll pass. All right. Um, well, I'll break up the doofest. I'll go. Uh, so I'll start with the movie that made the absolute least amount of money, I, I imagine. Um, Clerks. Opening box office weekend was 31000 Oh. Uh, the, it's got to be the absolute definition of a cult film because this film just still picks up speed as more and more people... Uh, find it but it's really just a silly movie about two jerk clerks at a gas station and video store and they just goof around with each other and in the meantime they have like some really important conversations and they get to know themselves as well as each other and they become better friends and you know even if your girlfriend has sucked 37 dudes if I'm sure still, they're talking about fingers. If, <laughs> if she still toes. makes you yeah. lasagna, it's toes. You should keep her. <laughs> Wait, just, that's just in the parking lot on the way in, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah great movie, Kevin Smith. Uh, one of his early films. Yeah. Um, yeah. His yeah. first major one, really. This, even the sequel wasn't the '90s, but it was. It was still a pretty funny and decent film. Um, yeah. And same actors and everything. So yeah, I, I really love Clerks. Absolutely. It it started the whole. View a universe, and mm-hmm. because of Clerks, we got really great films like Chasing Amy and Dogma, too. And mm. so, yay, Clerks. Hurrah. Hurrah. <laughs> okay, Chris or Ryan, who's up next? Sure, I'll hit it up. Go ahead. I mean, I've got all my prep. You do. So, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Fight Club right off the bat. Yes. Um, David Fincher directed it. Uh, Edward Norton, Brad Pitt, Helena Bonham Carter, Jared Leto before he was... Uh, actual actor. He was <laughs> just like a yeah. He was Angel Face. Oh, was also in my so-called life. Oh okay. yeah, was that. Interesting. Um, that on. movie, Fight Club. Interestingly, it did not do really well at the box office. It's sixty-seven million dollar budget and only made like a hundred million. Um, so it wasn't a super big financial success, but it kind of gained a cult following mm-hmm. once people started actually seeing it since they didn't see it at the theater. 
Um, it, you know, the book I've never read. I've heard it's great. Um, the movie definitely captured uh, a lot of people's feelings about the world and things like that and gave them something to kind of latch on to. And they thought it would be cool if they started their own fight clubs. I remember, I'm pretty sure I was in high school when that movie released and everybody was like, I'm starting a fight club. You guys want to come? And it's, no, I don't want to go fight people. <laughs> what kind of person do you think I am? It's a movie. Jeez. But yeah, great movie. Yes. One of my favorites. That one was on mine. I absolutely love Edward Norton's uh, Insomniac Fantasies. Yeah, and how screwed up Helena Bonham Carter is. and Really, really both of them. Right. How screwed up like in real life or in the movie? Oh, we're talking about the movie, okay. so... Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. You're uh, up, buddy. My first choice... Alice, with all that crap. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes, I had uh, less than five minutes no, no, to prepare this No, 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 you told us at the beginning. You're right. Yeah. No, I lied. Each. I lied. I I got asked to join this cast, you know. I contacted you, like, a few days ago. You did, okay? but Come you on. didn't tell me to do any prep, so... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I, I hastily put together a very quick list of... Films that I thought were either important to to film and or myself. Cool. Uh, cool, cool so cool. for my first choice, I didn't write down what year it was made, but I oh, picked uh, The Truman Show, starring nice. Jim Carrey, oh, yeah. uh, directed by Peter Weir, and it was pretty um, interesting film. And that was one of Jim Carrey's first uh, non comedic roles. He has moments of humor, of course, but he never he never deliberately cracks a joke for the sake of being funny. Absolutely. And so I thought it was one of those movies that kind of also explored um, uh, like the television culture, like the way the way audiences view it and the way the way TV is presented uh, to to people as 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 a whole, and how we are like consumers, we're just kind of sucked into this world of other people's lives on the screen. Absolutely. I almost picked Man on the Moon because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed uh, Jim Carrey's '90s stuff, but Truman Show is probably much better than Man on the Moon. To be <laughs> honest, like I love what it says about humanity. I love how you know we we want to live this perfect life, and you know we're obsessed with reality TV, even mm-hmm. though we all know that it's a hundred percent scripted mm-hmm. most of the time. You know? Yeah, like his his actions are. Completely and one hundred percent genuine, according to the story. Right. Uh, you know, everyone else is an actor, and so for him, it's just life. Yeah. And he doesn't know, which is what makes it a true reality show in that sense. And it was, it's kind of fun to see everyone else, either as the actors on the show itself or the people watching the show, how how sucked into his life. You know, because he's just such a simple individual. He's got no prospects. But they concoct all his but they scenarios. Concoct, they do. Like but they his... do. But it's he's still such a genuine individual that people gravitate towards that. I like that movie. I think it's I good. And, and it, it is came a very out good at a time where it was relevant to what was happening in, in the TV realm and the world, you know, kind of. <laughs> it's very poignant now, to too. Right. The peak of the reality genre and everything like that. So Before it exploded, before reality TV show was on every single channel, you know, while it was still unscripted. It was starting to explode you know? at that point. But. Yeah, I mean, they were still having issues in the real world episodes where cast members would just be sitting there doing nothing for hours and they'd get really bored like well you didn't give them any books or television what mm-hmm. do you want them to do yeah it's true all right so we we're done with our first round that means ian you're up next cool all right now when i say this 
Oh, gosh. Oh, I no. hate when he crap. This is going to be another Iron Man 2 is the best Marvel movie. It is, moment, yeah. Isn't it? Golly. Just don't really attack me. I, can no. oh, I used this. to, but then I rewatched it. I'm like, not so much. Just don't attack me directly at first. So, Phantom Menace. Okay. Episode 1 of Star Wars. Okay. No, I understand why. I, I actually almost chose that myself. So, so $115 million budget made $1.27 billion yeah. back. Now, and that right there is why we have to talk about this movie. Yes, um, this was the first kind of I know, reboot of Star Wars. If you don't count the special editions, reboot. Ian's well, gonna hug you know, me later. You know, re energizing even the just series. Return to a series that yes, has been dead. For I guess so not long. reboot, but re energizing the series. Yeah. It, you know, ninety nine. I was six or seven when it came out, Shush. and this was the first. <laughs> Shush, Chetty Monkey. <laughs> this was the first movie that I actually waited in line for with my parents for a midnight release. Um, you know, I was young, so I loved Jar Jar Binks when I was younger. Nowadays, not so much. But... I think that's the overall consensus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. It's Star Wars. It has a huge impact on me because unlike other people who grew up with 4, 5, and 6, I grew up with 1, 2, 3, The Clone Wars, and now... You know, seven, eight, and nine. You're yeah. still growing up with them. I am. Okay. I'm not mature yet. <laughs> we know you put Phantom Menace in your top four movies of the night. I was gonna say, there's you, more than four on. Were here. you old enough to watch the re-releases when they were remastered? They and were back in theaters. They came out in '97. You would have been like three. No, I've been like four or five. Four, but still, uh, I don't know if I watched them in the theaters, but I watched them on you know VHS <laughs> later. Rogue Drax says it's kind of funny these guys are talking about movies that are older than we are. <laughs> That's not true. I know it's not, but it's funny. <laughs> but it's funny that, because of Ian. Because yeah, because no, yeah. I'm 24, you, you, so you can think that. yeah, Rachel's a baby. I'm old, so I've seen. <laughs> I've lived through all these movies. Uh, but no, that's a personal favorite of mine because. Did you live through the Ewok Christmas special? No, he didn't. No, well, that was born in '93. The Ewok? Uh, no, uh, no, I did not. But I that's that's a big one for me was Phantom Menace. I. Like, it's not best by being a good film whatsoever. No. However, I'm not quite sure we would have the same sci-fi environment that we do now without that push from George Lucas again. I, I think he made a lot of missteps, and he kind of... He, I mean, he killed off the two best things, which was Liam Neeson and Ray Park. Yeah. That is right? true. Thank Why God for fans to bring him back for Clone Wars. Yes. yes. And that's the power of fans. And without spider legs. Yes, and without, you know, one, two, and three, you wouldn't have the Clone Wars. You wouldn't have these characters that are back and we love. So, it's true. You know, without this stepping point, there wouldn't be this stuff right now. Very true. Okay. I mean, I'm going to say, I, I was in junior high, I think, when that movie came out. And at that point in my life, I had... I, basically, every T-shirt I owned had some Star Wars reference on mm-hmm. it. I mean, I was hardcore. Right. I had all the books. I was reading the expanded universe. Yep. I mean, I was all about it. And so oh, that movie came nerd. out, and I was oh yeah, nobody <laughs> wanted to be my friend. Trust me. <laughs> this was before being nerdy was cool. Want more? Um, so yeah, I mean, I was I was at the midnight release. I brought my fake lightsaber that I made out of Aww. something stupid, yeah. and, like cardboard, toilet paper tube, and aluminum foil. I think it was with a flashlight inside. Nice. But uh, even back then, you were building stuff. Yeah, yeah, that one was not very good. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it was disappointing, right? 
it was relevant. I can see why you right. put it on your list because this isn't necessarily best in terms of like critically reviewed and highest gross. Uh, yeah. in, in terms of relevance. I mean, if that the was the case, then scene. like half of our lists. Yeah, they wouldn't be on there. <laughs> but culturally, it's important. Exactly. So I get it. I understand. Hey, I still have my Jar Jar Binks toys. Oh, sweetie. You have They're in a drawer leave. in my closet. You have to They're leave. just not on display. <laughs> so. I can't have you on the podcast anymore. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You're blacklisted. That's okay. All right. Jordan, you're up next. Um, I'm going to pick one of my favorite movies, and it's one I can watch over and over again, and it'd be uh, Backdraft. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Which we've nice. also talked about quite a bit on the podcast. I, don't I have never you heard of that You movie. have not. Though, it's so. my favorite movie, and I'm sorry. And I never Backdraft? Heard... Backdraft. Never heard of it. Kurt Russell's a firefighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It is believable. <laughs> yeah, Kurt I mean, Russell can do everything. Okay, if true. you've never seen the movie, I mean, and you're starring a big Kurt Russell fan, it's believable. He was All right. in that movie. Yeah, you got Kurt Russell, William Baldwin, Donald Sutherland, and Robert De Niro. It's a Ron Howard movie, mm-hmm. so it's really good. And um, budget was $75 million. It made $152.3 million, so it doubled. All right. And um, it's just one of my favorites of all time. It's about brothers, how they butt heads, even, you know, over time and try to heal the wounds and... And they even used actual firefighters in the movie, too, to make it more realistic for some of the scenes. Yeah, it, That's I mean, really cool. My dad, was, if you've watched the show and you heard me talk about Backdraft, my dad was a firefighter for 30 years, and that was, he always had the movie poster for Backdraft. He said that that movie uh, kind of portrayed the whole firefighting thing better than any movie. And the CG for the fire was, for the time especially, I mean, it still holds up today, but it was pretty incredible back then. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I don't remember what movie that, or what year that came out, but... 91. Was, 91. Yeah, I mean, so that's a pretty old movie at this point, and it was—it's also one of my favorites. It's a great movie, and it actually made me think a lot more about fire too, because the way they portrayed fire in the movie wasn't just some inanimate object that did something. It said that the fire actually thought, it ate, it lived, it breathed. It made it sound more like a creature that was coming after you instead of just a, oh, sprinkle water on it, it'll just die. It was more along the lines of no, it's smart and it it's can a come, living creature. Yeah, yeah, it can come up behind you and it can get you before you get it. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I love that movie. That's a great reason, and it, I love that you have a personal choice on there because you know it, maybe in like twenty years it's forgotten about, but because of people like you who have the love for it, it's not going to be, and that's what keeps movies carried on. It actually made me want to become a firefighter. So you're a firefighter now? I work at Walmart. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's a cosplayer. Yeah. I could pretend to be a firefighter. There you go. All right, so my turn. Um, I'm going to go with a 1982 movie, and that is A League of Their Own, directed by Penny Marshall, stars uh, Gina Davis, Rosie O'Donnell, Madonna, Tom Hanks. The movie is filled with stars. That movie is a lot of fun. It's got a lot of heart to it. Um, I This is one of those movies that I never get tired of watching. It comes on TBS, and I will plant myself, and I will watch it. And I have signed people's yearbooks, Avoid the Clap, Jimmy Dugan. And <laughs> I love them forever if they know what it meant. So I, I, just, I just love that movie Words so no much. crying. There's no crying in baseball. There's no yeah. crying in baseball. It's a it's a fun movie. That's 
It's very quotable. And it's very big within the LGBT community. Well, I mean... Which is kind of funny. You, I mean, I think that's mainly because Madonna's in it and Rosie O'Donnell, but, you know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It... Not it because of Tom Hanks. It, like, mm-hmm. as, oh. It gave me girl power before I knew that was a thing, and... You mean before the female Ghostbusters movie came out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you definitely... These are the OG Ghostbusters. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The OG men's life ruiners. Right. But nobody cared back then. Like, I didn't... My dad didn't care that there was a baseball movie about women. He thought it was really fun, and we would watch it together. You know, say what he wants, that he only watches it for Tom Hanks. He laughs at Madonna too so you know it's it's just a fun movie it is yeah admittedly it's been a long time since I've seen it so I can't say too much on it but I remember enjoying it the last time I saw it so there was that okay all right all right we're Ryan that's you that's you oh geez where to start um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Where do I want to go? Okay, okay, we haven't done many comedies, so I'm gonna hit up a comedy. I here. love it. Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, <laughs> yes. Mel Brooks, uh, Carrie Elwes. Um, I mean, it was just a great movie. Uh, Dave Chappelle and Patrick Stewart, of course. Yes. Uh, I knew I was forgetting a couple important people. Uh, Mel Brooks at his one of his peak mm-hmm. movies, if you ask me. Maybe Allman. his peak. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Almost unrecognizable, but yeah, yeah. I mean, just great movie. The subtlety of the humor is something that's kind of lost in a lot of movies. You changed your name to Latrine. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's just so much going on in that movie, and and you could watch it five, six, seven times and pick up new things every time because it's got layers on layers on layers. And comedy nowadays never has. That's the great thing about Mel Brooks films is that you know it's layered so much that. And I still watch Blazing Saddles, and I'll be like, "Wait, what? What is that? That's something new I haven't seen." Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I think one of my favorite parts about Mel Brooks comedies is they are so on the nose most of the time, and they're not afraid to step out of bounds of what is acceptable humor. They they want to do what Mel Brooks wants to do. So. You can have like the characters look right at the camera, and it and works. And that'll get a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nobody does that anymore. I mean, the the fact that it came out like six months after the Kevin Costner movie, and Carrie right. uh, Ellis just looked at the camera and said that he can speak with a British accent. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. Like that Kevin Costner movie was crap. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was not good. Was well, sorry, even Kevin. like the mole moving around. <laughs> I mean, so I have a mole. Yeah, it was so it was so good. And yeah. you can quote almost every line from that movie. Absolutely. It's, yeah, one of the one of my favorite comedies how, ever. How many? you guys have wanted to do the bubble bath where people just sit there and blow into it oh, instead gosh. of like actually <laughs> I feel like Ian has probably done that look <laughs> I'm not judging I'm I, just saying of all the people here you're the most likely private practices are mine and mine alone but you wouldn't be opposed I would not be opposed <laughs> It's now on the bucket list for Yep, it is. I wish that Mel Brooks was still making original movies instead of turning all of his movies into Broadway plays. I don't know. Producers was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Young Frankenstein on Broadway, it's, it's awesome. But there's not the same kind of relevant comedy anymore that is that much fun. Like, comedy movies are two people of different races falling in love and their parents hate each other so they all say the C word and do cocaine Un- now. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. Right. I've noticed a lot of Mel Brooks's films are like genre specific. Like mm-hmm. he'll make a movie to poke fun of not just this 
like a movie, like in the case of like Kevin Costner's Robin Hood, it's to make fun of like all kind of Robin Hood films as well as like Renaissance Sword and Shield kind of mm-hmm. kind of films. Mm-hmm. But then, but then the closest thing we have to that nowadays, unfortunately, are these films like Scary Movie, yeah. which is. Just At the time, though, crap. when it came out, that movie the, was okay. The pretty first funny two were funny because then exactly. in a while, but now they're, but now they're trying too hard because they're like, "Oh, this is pop culture. Let's just make fun of that for right. the sake yeah. of making fun of it, rather than actually making good jokes." I agree. You're up, Chris. Oh joy. Okay. Well, for <laughs> my my second pick, I'm gonna pick one that I had not seen until I actually got to college, and um, this was like four years ago. And this is the 1999 flick, American Beauty. Um, Okay. It's one of those films that it took me forever to see because, one, I had no desire to see it. But then someone introduced it to me, and they're like, this is my favorite movie of all time. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I watched it, and I liked it so much that I actually went out and bought a copy of it just so I could have it and rewatch it whenever I'm in the mood. It's not a kind of film that I would want to watch all the time, but when that mood strikes... It strikes pretty You're hard. Prepared. Like I'm prepared. Like I sit down and I'm ready to take this emotional journey with with <laughs> Kevin Spacey. Is that um, the horse movie? Oh, that's no. no Black no. Beauty. That's no. That's no. that's Black American Black Beauty is the one where like he he's. Ian, Ian, I was Ian. born in '93. Shut up. These <laughs> it's the one where the guy's filming a trash bag floating around. So Kevin, yeah. Kevin no. okay. Spacey is going through some middle-aged stuff, and As one he's, does. he's uh, having masturbatory fantasies about his daughter's best friend. Oh, a little and, creepy, yeah. but um, he, he, he starts making weird stuff. midlife Christ choices like buying a sports car and working out, and he's actually bettering himself throughout the course of the film until the end when he inevitably gets killed. Um, but I will say, not just his performance, this is actually one of my perf- favorite performances of Chris Cooper. Oh, Chris that's Cooper fair. is phenomenal in this movie because he's unrecognizable. Right. Like, and he's, it's, it's one of those films where, like, I can watch him in other films and be like, oh, Chris Cooper's, that's, that's Chris Cooper. But in this one, it's like he's so outside of his wheelhouse in terms of the character that he's playing that I have to remind myself that that's Chris Cooper. Yeah. So. Okay. American Beauty is a great choice. Very mm-hmm. popular and kind of relevant of the Won times. a lot of awards. Yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. It won yeah. Uh, Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Actor, a couple others that I can't remember off the top of my head, but good good movie. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ian. You're up. All right. So I'm going to go in the comic book realm, and let's go with Batman Returns. Mm, good sequel. That was sequel. on my list, too. Because, uh, you know, we got to talk about Mike, Michael Keaton. So. Michael yeah, Keaton. oh, yeah, we got to get our quota. Keaton. We do. Got to talk our about Our quota has been met. Yeah. Um, so, $80 million budget made $266.8 million in the box office. Uh, it's Tim Burton's sequel to Batman. Tim Burton is not known for doing sequels. I think this is one of like, the only sequels that he actually has directed. Mm-hmm. Um, stars, you know, Michael Keaton as Batman again, Danny DeVito as the Penguin, and Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Yes. Uh, this is the first Catwoman we've seen on screen since the 1966 movie. Mm. So, obviously, was you know... Was it Julie Newmar? No, it was not. Or, uh, that, was kid. that was uh, Lee Merriweather. Oh, God, there's so many. Uh, so, this one is my favorite just because of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. She it's, was one of my earliest crushes. Plenty of reasons to love that movie. So, saying that Michelle Pfeiffer is your favorite part... 
is saying a lot. Yes. Because it's not like Michelle Pfeiffer is the best and everything else is trash. Right. Like, that's not it at all. Danny DeVito. He's a I great penguin. Take him. Like, that might have been the first role I saw him in. As I think it was a for me kid, too. And mm-hmm. I couldn't picture him as anything else until, you know, by the time. I see uh, it's always sunny, and I'm like, all right, you're finally somebody else. You're and it not... was horrifying. Like, as a horrifying. kid, when he bit that guy's nose, yeah, I that was That freaked like, me out. What? Like, what? He's, he's yeah. just, like, oozing the nasty, like, oil out all of his mouth. Time. I'm like, that's nightmare and, fuel and, right yes. You know, yeah. It, as an adult, if you go back and watch it, obviously there's a lot of, like, sexual innuendos, innuendos and, yeah, and, like, yeah. or, or flat-out, like, comments, and we you never pick up on them Right? I think the reason... disgusting. Like, to go back on what you said about Tim Burton, like, being one of the few sequels he ever made it's like one of those 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 uh moments you notice where they direct one movie the producers want it a certain way and mm-hmm. they prove that they can make a good film this was the movie where tim burton got to really explore the batman that he wanted to put on film Absolutely. yes and so it's like they gave him free reign after he proved he could do a good batman film and yeah. like here's the reins and he gave us this sequel that in my opinion is probably better than the first one no but uh, <laughs> Burger King like hated them because they were doing a bunch of toys from this movie, and this movie was probably not the greatest movie for kids no. to see. No, you know, it was Penguin drooling out the black <laughs> stuff and like give kids yeah. nightmares. But they yeah. had the little like wind up figure that you pull back, and it does like the hypnotic umbrella thing <laughs> on, the, on the car. And we also can't forget that you know Christopher Walken was in it too as the villain. Yeah, so. he was. And which was forget that actually. Which was interesting because he plays a villain that I don't think that he was in the comics. I don't know, like if yeah, Max Shrek was actually in the comics, or if that was just something that Tim Burton so, created. Probably. But uh, he didn't really read the comic books very much. It's so. very dark. It's uh, you know, it's Tim Burton's universe. It's Tim Burton's Batman. So things are not gonna be like the Batman now. And I kind of miss Tim Burton's universe in Batman. I miss the look of how Gotham was always super high tech, but everybody dressed like it was 1942. It was mm-hmm. like a like a modern steampunk almost. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Gotham is kind of always. There's always been allusions to that, that it's like this not in a specific time period type of city. Yeah. It's always been, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think Tim Burton was kind of the one that really brought that to the forefront. I don't, I don't think it was like that in the comic books before that. but It wasn't. It was like actual just city. But the 90s animated TV show definitely played into that. Absolutely. Yes, it took heavy inspiration from uh, Tim Burton's Batman. Rogue Drac in chat said, hey, I still have my Batman Returns toys. I want to be your friend because that's <laughs> awesome. I still have a few of them too. I still have my Batman Returns toys. So. I plan on cosplaying that Catwoman. Yeah, it's the best the Catwoman costume. At least my it's, it's my so favorite Catwoman costume. It's, it's probably the most memorable it. because the minute she came on screen, it's seared into your and yeah. even like I would love to see more people do like the ribbed version with like the hair half out uh, right know, like, towards the end of the movie. That's great. You don't ever see that. That was the clean Catwoman one, but. Yeah, great costume. It's I love hard that. to make a really like pretty cow and then like just you want to tear it up. Like yeah, that yeah. sucks. <laughs> All right, Jordan, you're up. Um, I'm gonna go with one that scared me as a kid. Um, uh, the Silence of the Lamb. You watch that as a kid? Ooh. Yes. Oh. Kind of torturous parents <clears throat> you have. <laughs> I have cool parents that show me cool stuff. And um, good movie. Mm-hmm. Scary. Mean, it explains I can a lot li- about you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I can list the cast, but the main one is just say Anthony Hopkins, and that's yeah. the whole part of the movie right yeah. there. Yeah, man only absolutely. had 13 minutes of screen time in that movie, and he still won the Oscar. Yeah, and it's a uh, 19 million for the uh, budget, 272 million for the box office was the total. And I learned this fact today while researching. This is one of only three films to win the Big Five. 
Yeah, Which really. Is what? It won best uh, best movie, best screenplay, okay. uh, best director, best actor, and best actress. Okay. So it's mm-hmm. only one of three, and I think the last one won it in like I want to say the sixties. Before so, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Nice. So and no movie has done that since. Wow. I think Jodie Foster is probably worth mentioning in that movie too. I know yes. you're posting out there, but Jodie Jodie Foster is the main character, and she she did a great job um, playing a new kind of uh, CSI type, you know, investigator. Yeah, nobody cared about those kind of police officers back then. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't like a super sexualized character or anything no, like that. No. It was she was very like plain and you know just doing her job and got pulled into this horrible situation. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she was great, and I'd say it, equally as good as Anthony Hopkins. That movie is just incredibly disturbing, and the more you watch it, it, it changes genres, at least for me. Like, it, it'll flip back between suspense and psychological thriller and horror, and uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. intense. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I can't even say much about that guy. Just it, He scared the heck out of me, and that's all I remember about the whole movie. It's just You can always just look at, you see anything with him, yeah. and just... I automatically go right back to Hannibal Lecter and just, no, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) Buffalo Bill totally rattled me. That was. I didn't even care about him. That's the bad thing. Except for the whole. That that's what makes the 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 role of Anthony Hopkins play so memorable is that he steals the show. Yes. He stole the show from the the real antagonist of the movie. Yeah. And I even just like the little joke at the very end, you know, just to end it all. I'm gonna go have an old friend for dinner, and just like. Yep. Oh, oh crap. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly what that means. And okay, movie's <laughs> over. Moving on. Silence of the Lambs, great film. Great film. And since then, they've had like four or five films to spin off series. Yeah. yeah. TV show. Yeah. It's it's obviously it's, very culturally important. Yes. Yeah. It stayed the test of time. And Definitely. I, I even tell other people that, you know younger people now and like hey you should see this movie and they're like i never heard of it before I'm like how did you not mm, they're probably younger yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that movie i'm not saying i'm telling an eight year old they're probably your friends no but i'm just saying <laughs> it's it's a generational thing you know all right so i'm gonna move on to something happier please um clueless Aww. i picked clueless because amy heckerling the director has such a good eye for uh properly conveying teenagers of a certain time. She did it in the 80s with Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and in Clueless, she kind of repeated herself, where um, this one was based off of the Jane Austen novel, Emma, and she shows just how utterly in our own worlds we are as teenagers, how nothing else is important. Like, the biggest... You know, the climactic scene is driving on the freeway in L.A. And, yes, it's balls to the wall crazy in L.A. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, that's a small-scale thing. But for a teenager, it's huge. So she just did a really good job of pinpointing exactly, like, how insane teenagers are. And I think that the more I watch it, the more relevant it still is for teenagers. You just change the wardrobe a bit and change the jokes a bit. It's not tapes that you're burning. It's, uh, you know, MP3s. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, that movie is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. Like, that was my introduction to Alicia Silverstone and I, one of my early crushes because of that movie and you got young Paul Rudd in that movie Mm -hmm. too. Um, But even more 
to touch on your point, the the director didn't only nail the, the being a teenager in that genre or in that uh, era. It was also like a very specific group of valley teenagers right. that she nailed because I mean I don't relate to the no. fact that they're valley girls, you know, but they're teenagers and yeah. So she kind of covered uh, multiple bases and did it very well. Um, but yeah, I I totally appreciate that movie. I don't know if I would put it like in my top ten favorite movies of the nineties, but yeah, I watched it a lot on TBS and Same. whatever yeah. else was on. I hate to say I've never seen it. That's okay. No, it's cool. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, you're I not like lesser of a person yeah. for not having seen it, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a good one. I don't think that people have to see Clueless at all, but if you want like a perfect '90s time capsule, that's, that's it. Because, I mean, like he said, it, it's not a reflection of every '90s teen, but it's you can see all the different little clicks: the rich mm-hmm. kids, the poor kids, the burnouts, the. Uh, I, the nerds, the, you know, it's, we see that still. It, the, the genres, the cliques, they're still there. They and just kind yeah. of evolved yeah. the times. They're still there. Yeah. But for me, it's like the perfect 90s film. It, it screams 90s. It does. For teenagers. Even yes. those big, you know, cell phones. Oh, yeah. The big there, weren't a lot of gr- there weren't a lot of really great teenage focused films in the 90s you know in the 80s you had a lot a lot thank you john hughes yeah john hughes really you know kind of showed what could be done in that genre but in the 90s that kind of fell off and i think clueless was probably one of the only successful i don't even know if it was successful i didn't look at the box office or anything but um it definitely has a opening weekend which compared to the other movies on my list it seems reasonable i'm sure the budget was much less than a lot of the other movies on all of our lists so all right that was it. Ryan, your turn. Okay. Um, okay, well, I did a comedy last time, so I'm going to hit it with more of a satirical kind of uh, uh, film here. Starship Troopers. Ooh. Um, <laughs> when you're talking about the like sci-fi revolution of the 90s that you had kind of in the later part of the 90s, um, that movie, I think, I want to believe that that was part of it. Realistically, it didn't make enough money to be actually part of it. It was uh, 121 million that it made overall in its entire Ooh. run and 105 million it cost. So it was it broke even maybe, but beyond yeah. that it was it was not successful, but it definitely has a cult following. It's yeah. you know, if you go to Dragon Con, there's usually a booth of people that just do like the the soldier costumes from that movie. There's one at Denver Comic Con too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and the bugs were really cool looking. The CG was actually really good. The satire was wonderful. Uh, would you like to know more? You know, that whole thing uh, everything in it was, I think, really great. And I think that movie still holds up even today. Um, I know for a lot of guys around my age-ish, it was the first time they saw boobs on the big screen. So uh, That was an early one for me, yeah. yeah. I was, who was that? That was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Denise Richards, right? Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was, yeah. I remember that vividly. Uh, yeah, but a great movie beyond the boobs, a great satire uh, beyond the, the kind boobs. of the genre yeah. and uh, and just kind of name of the band. world as it is. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, it you probably you might you probably haven't. Maybe you have if you watch this show, but uh, the majority of the public hasn't. Go see I it; it's very good. I love it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, chat yeah. loves it. Um, it's a really underrated movie that should have been more popular. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. Uh, well, for my third choice, I'm going to go with something a little more serious. Uh, I went with the 1992 Western Unforgiven, directed by Clint Eastwood. I like it. Mm-hmm. It uh, was an Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Director. Um, 
And it's one of those few films that, much like um, uh, some movies we discussed earlier, it kind of brought back a genre. Because up until that point, westerns were inherently silly if you exclude, like, the spaghetti westerns that ironically starred Clint Eastwood, uh, like Pale Rider or um, High Plains Drifter and whatnot. But um, it, it, it definitely took a more serious tone about what people living in the west at that time would probably actually experience you know yeah. people died people got you know infections people people you know it was stabbed, trail the film. people people stabbed someone <laughs> for you know laughing at his at his penis i mean you know it's you haven't i mean for the record that still happens yeah it still happens but like it, it just made it made the west not so glorified anymore yeah and you did you wouldn't see that again until um until much later with other films like 310 Yuma or even the show like Deadwood and whatnot. You got more serious, realistic, gritty westerns that would be more akin to what actually happened. And um, this one kind of stands out also culturally because it it was a major influence uh, in the comic world because it was one of the one of the, the big um, inspirations behind like Old Man Logan, which is why we now have films like that. Yeah. Um, and it's it definitely helped uh, inspire literature and future films and whatnot. That's that's kind of why I chose that one. The Western, I feel like, is a underappreciated genre mm-hmm. in modern filmmaking, mm-hmm. and we forget that it's entirely American, that it's one of the things that only we have, that you think about it, like, we don't call Asian films Easterns, so it's just the whole <laughs> name... It's something that we should all be very proud of. There's good, there's bad, there's funny, there's, you know, just serious. It, and Unforgiven's a really, really good one. And the 90s didn't have a lot of good ones. I mean, Stone, right? Well, right. The 90s. Yeah. That, that's I'd probably like, put that above Unforgiven, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Honestly, for, that for was going no, to be it's cool. my I, I, I put them right about like, the same tier from, for me. Just the cast in Tombstone for me. So good. I, well, I mean, Unforgiven has a wonderful cast with, like, Gene but Hackman, yeah, Morgan Freeman. They're good, but they're not my, like, personal heroes. <laughs> yeah, you've got Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell, yeah. Bill yeah, Paxton. Like, yeah, like, what are you going to do? Come on. Yeah. You can. Uh, all right. Ian, we're back to you. Last right. ones, guys. Uh, make them good. Count. All right. Oh, I'm torn between these two then. Do it. We have less than ten minutes. All right. So, my this one spawned off of a cult TV show. And this is X Files: Fight the Future. Oh goodness! This, it was a good film. Okay. Uh, I just said, oh goodness. But you said it. <laughs> I know what you meant, Rachel. Trust me. Um, We're not inviting it back. <laughs> look, I love the X Files. I've, I mean, it was a show that my mother grew up on. Watch, well, not grew up on watching, but she, you know, watched and then had me watch, and I grew up watching it. Uh, Sixty-six million to make it, and then one hundred eighty-nine point two million in the box office. Uh, it was set between seasons five and six, so it bridged a big gap. Uh, one thing, you know, people didn't watch the movie. They came into season six. They're like, um, what now? But I, I mean, I always loved The X-Files. It uh, explored aliens, explores, you know, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, uh, just fun, heart-racing kind of, you know, 90s action with... Palpable sexual tension. Yes. <laughs> Even though Jillian Anderson is a lesbian... Palpable sexual tension. Yes. Uh, thank you. Sorry. 
someone had to say it. That's true. If we can take anything away from this, that's going to be the core. It is. The, 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 the tag underneath the... Uh, <laughs> but I love it. Uh, the X-Files always, you know, have a special place in my heart, so that's mine. I think that's fun. No, I'm okay with that. Jordan, you're up. Uh, you yeah. can do it. There's like three I'm stuck on. I can't really... Narrow even... down your BBs. You should have already done this, Jordan. Come on. Figure it out. Um, I might get some flack from this one, but no. I'm, I'm gonna go with Titanic. Ew. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Not, this is from the guy that said episode one. Okay, so I think Titanic can be allowed. If I want to see a movie about a ship breaking up, I want to see it about a ship breaking up, not people. Well, it's hey, also, I ship it. It's still one of the fifth, it's the fifth highest grossing movie of all time right yeah, now, and it was so. first for a lot of our yes. lives. Yeah. For me though, I've always been fascinated by the ship itself. So see it to be brought to life that way really was something I really enjoyed as I don't know I can't tell you why but just in history I've always been fascinated by the boat especially all the stuff behind it like uh, like a book being written 14 years before exactly telling there was a book called the Titan and it actually went almost word for word on how Titanic went down nice. now like I know it's uh, 200 million to make <clears throat> Two billion with the original plus the re-release on the hundred-year anniversary of the sinking. <clears throat> so that's insane. Relevancy to like I, you have obviously a personal connection to the movie, but relevancy to the the time period I think was that that movie made a big difference in movies absolutely at the time. So I think it's fair on the list, just as fair as episode one. That's, right. Yeah. And and just like The Matrix too, it created an entire cultural revolution. That song was absolutely everywhere. Uh, it still is everywhere. Museums still have traveling shows featuring the Titanic. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that this unsinkable ship was able to go down is scientifically important. It's historically important. So many people lost their lives or just barely missed it and still have stories about that mm-hmm. and uh really we got to see you know uh just what leonardo dicaprio was capable of as an actor i i remember the theater experience more than i do the film when i first saw it because I, I have it on still on vhs but i remember going to the theater and it being the last movie i ever saw in theaters that actually featured an intermission I remember going there, the movie ending halfway through, and they're like, act two will start later. And I went and got popcorn, used the bathroom, got a drink, and came back and saw the second half of the film. I'm not going to lie. Movies don't do that anymore. Hateful Eight did that. They had a special... Really? They had a special screening only available at certain uh, theaters. It was not every single... Episode but this this was the show. last movie that yeah. I can remember yeah. that did it universally. Yeah, like okay. they still and they also, still. And I also remember doing that at home when you had to put in the different. Videos. You had to put in the second. Tape. Also <laughs> relevant <laughs> relevant to our discussion. That was also one of the early times when boys saw boobs in the theater. So yes, I no yeah I think that was probably Kate my Winslet first time. Kate Winslet still hates when you go up and ask her to sign that picture. <laughs> like don't really? don't do that. That's hilarious. No, it's better if you draw her like a French girl and then have her sign right. <laughs> <laughs> it did come on two VHS tapes. It did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that, like, I'm, I don't remember how old I was, but I'm watching that and I'm like, that is the hottest sex scene ever filmed. Like, just. Literally. That, I that mean, it's steamy. Steamy <laughs> sex scene. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do it in, in the, back the boiler of the car. room. <laughs> <laughs> I 
good, good luck finding the Titanic to, oh, to reenact them. Avoid thank the you. jokes. Thank you. Because they make themselves. They really do. Yeah. But, you know, I'm I, the biggest joke here. So. Oh. And the thing is, I will always let Jack go. Just let him go straight to the bottom. There was plenty. There was, there was plenty of room on the door. <laughs> hey, Mythbusters proved it wouldn't work, so get over it. <laughs> you can't trust right. everything on Mythbusters. They don't actually use scientific, you know, processes. Moving so, on. I have two left on my list because I also had Fight Club. Um, I was going to talk about Hook because Steven Spielberg is amazing. Robin mm. Williams is amazing. <clears throat> but thinking about it, I'm going to go with my other one. Yeah. Interview with the Vampire oh. I thought was more culturally significant for quite a few different reasons. First of all, uh, Anne Rice had been huge for about 15 years. Uh, she had multiple novels under her belt, so the fact that this was the first one just getting published was crazy. But it was also the first time we had ever seen movie monsters portrayed as intellectual beings. And, and you good-looking. Know, right, right. They were sexualized completely, and there was a euphoric sexual, you know, uh, I guess, presence to, to their killings mm-hmm. and things like that. And it talked about uh, the moral and ethical issues that they have walking the earth for hundreds of years and, you know, why it was completely not okay to turn Claudia, who was just a child, and um, it it was pretty incredible. Now it's been copied by a million different people, like Twilight is a huge ripoff of it. (laughs) And Um, Stephanie Meyer's wet dream. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she wishes she was as good as Anne Rice. Yeah. But Interview with the Vampire, I just thought, was really culturally and... It was very significant. It also kind of showed a different side to Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt as actors. That is one of the only movies that I can actually stand Tom Cruise in. Same. Mm-hmm. It's one of those I'm Agreed. like, okay, I can I can deal with that. Anything else, I'm like, eh, it's just Tom Cruise being Tom There's Cruise. There's very few, and that I agree with you. That's yeah. one that's like, mm, this is, okay. this is pretty it, good. It's one of the few where he's not completely running from the camera the entire time. He's not just showing off his muscles. He's being an actor. Like, yes. Lestat is a well-acted character. And it, it shows the talent that he has that, you know, nowadays he chooses to ignore. Yeah. It's true. I don't know that he chooses to ignore it. They just keep giving him roles and paying him a lot of money to do roles that don't require it. He just doesn't refuse those roles. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> so, I, if you argue, to my he still door, chooses to ignore If you rolled up to my door with a big truckload of money and said, you don't really have to do anything except show up and speak. Excuse me, I have integrity. Thank you. Get this money out right. of my face. <laughs> yeah, that ain't right. <laughs> All right, that's it for me. Hook was good, too. Hook was. Okay, that's that I'm one, not going to talk about all the movies yet that I had on my list that uh, we didn't get to talk about, but, but my fourth choice would be Groundhog Day. Um, Harold oh, Ramis directed one. Uh, Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, Andy McDowell, um, all great. Uh, just a really, we've talked about it on the podcast before, so I don't want to dig, dig too deep, but it's just a really beautiful movie mm-hmm. um, that you can watch multiple times and catch so many things you mm-hmm. missed. Um, it makes me sad watching it since that's what caused the, the Murray Ramis rift, and they yeah. stopped working together. But the film takes you through so many emotions. Like you're laughing one minute, and then there's a scene where I'm, I'm. He's talking I'm about crying. how he just killed himself, or oh, he right. killed himself and woke up again in the same day. Yeah, yeah. not no. The scene that gets me is when he finds out there's just things you can't change. Like yeah. when he he tries to save the old man in the mm-hmm. street, and I'm like, damn, that's a hard lesson to learn for some people. Yeah, 
No, it's, it's a great movie, one of my favorites. I mean, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray are both some personal heroes of mine, so, yeah. I mean, I, It has an entire suicide montage, mm-hmm. and as someone who's, like, gone through depression, who's had suicidal attempts, it I, I can still smile at it because I, I mentally understand every emotion he's going through, mm-hmm. and yet it's still done in a hilarious way, and... I don't know. I can just. I just let it go. when he steals the gopher, my, my, the, <laughs> right. most, the most quotable line that groundhog. I do. How did you get that he, wrong? It's called Groundhog Day. Like yeah. it's a groundhog. Yeah, it's but like when <laughs> when he takes, yeah, when he takes the groundhog and drives off the cliff and he lands upside down, and the the cameraman is just like he could be okay. <laughs> I quote that in every single movie when someone <laughs> dies and you know they're dead yeah. I just I just it, it knee jerk I'm like yeah you could be okay <laughs> like it's fine okay maybe not now <laughs> alright Chris you're up uh, okay well for my last one this one has a lot of um, personal uh, relevance because I actually starred in the the play version of it but uh, I'm going to go with the only animated film that I decided to choose which was Beauty and the Beast uh, it's one of the, it, it has some really interesting significance because it was the first film, uh, that was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy mm-hmm. Awards that spurred the, the, uh, the, the movement to create its own Academy Awards sub, subcategory. Right. And they're like, okay, this film's getting way too much recognition and there's way too many animated films out there that are becoming better and better and better that we need to create a new category for animated films. Mm-hmm. It's not the first animated film to ever win like a, a, an Academy Award. I think Snow White won that. And Walt Disney was presented <laughs> seven little Oscars. Right. Aww, uh, I but, but I just chose this one because the, the animation <laughs> is beautiful. It's one of the... One of the one of the best um, like 2D animated films yes. at, at the time. Um, the the score is is wonderful. The 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 lyrics are are hysterical and moving at the same time. And uh, like I said, I I starred in it one time in in Who I think community con- I played Gaston. Nice. Oh yeah, I had to make the tightest shirt I could find. <laughs> But and I wore tights, <laughs> but no, that was that, that wasn't even the most awkward part. My sister actually played Belle, oh. <laughs> so oh, she no. she had the easy job of being completely disgusted with me. I had the hard job of trying to woo her. But back to the film, the you the know, movie. admitted all this live on the internet. The, right. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's just one of those films. And just recently, they revisited it with the live action version. And you know, Disney wouldn't have done that had the film not had such a an impact. With the original, so that's true. But yeah, that was that's my final pick. That's a good one. I like it. All right, so we're a little over. Um, quick, anyone want to throw out some quick ones that we missed? Or um, I had Nightmare Before Christmas on mine. Mm-hmm. So, Love that one. Uh, you know, Tim Burton not directed it, but produced it, and he did. You don't see a whole lot of claymation movies. Uh, nowadays, and so that okay. one was really fun for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. yes, cult classic. You almost have to know something from it. Mm-hmm. I, I am a little surprised we didn't talk more Tarantino. If nothing else, you know Samuel Jackson's rant. Yes, 
my name is the law. Yep, yeah. it's true. Very quotable. I know so many people who have the wallets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I think we see that every time you go to um, AMC theaters over in Olathe, they still have that one on the... It's one of the little cases on the wall. has the wallet right there next to the yeah. glowing gold case. So... Mm-hmm. Ryan, did you have anything extra? Oh, I had a whole list. American Pie. uh, I like that movie. It's first comedies in the 90s. Both the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. American History X, Hackers, Con Air, Heavyweights, Mortal Kombat, Face Off, Dumb and Dumber, That Thing You Do, T2. I love That Thing You Do. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, I wonder what happened to the Oneaters. They actually just had like a session together other than that. that's cute tom, no tom hanks was there it was steve zahn steve zahn make couldn't it, make it, it yeah. he's filming something i guess honorable mentions on my list would include things like schindler's list or like that's i noticed he one. put shawshank redemption and that sparked mine as well yeah. uh one, one film that like really sticks out in my childhood memory was blown away it was such a weird like b film starring um uh, uh big lebowski uh jeff bridges and yeah. i'm like yeah, we it's didn't some... talk to Big Lebowski either. Uh, yeah, no, Big Lebowski would be on that list. Actually. But, um, but yeah, no, that one kind of stuck out in my mind. It's like one of those yeah. films I remember watching really young on, like, I don't know, TV. Yeah, they're so good. We and I have to throw out one for somebody in chat. Um, Doc Rev told me about this earlier. He wanted to mention Boys in the Hood. So. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. I promised him I'd bring it up for him. Yeah, so. we're, when we talk about worst movies in the 90s, we can talk about that one. Anything <laughs> Joel Schumacher. Uh, yeah. Take my bat credit card, please. Yeah. And some bat. All right. Hey, so <laughs> we recently that had, physically hurt me. Had a Patreon challenge. Yeah. Ryan. So we started off with Derek. Derek. Yeah. Uh, if we got an extra twenty dollars in our Patreon for the month of July, then Derek either doesn't mention Star Trek or has to sing ABBA lyrics every time he mentions Star Trek in the month of August. Yeah. <laughs> um, so last week, we, we hit that in like hours after the podcast because we have the best supporters. Absolutely. Um, so last week, um, we brought up a second perk to the challenge, if you will, a second, like a Kickstarter type perk, an extended... Uh, Stretch challenge. goal. Stretch goal. Um, for if we got an extra $10 or an extra two Patreon subscribers... In the month of July, then uh, if Rachel mentioned anything Disney, hard like the hardcore Disney, not the Marvel or Star Wars, um, then she had the first time she did it, she has to write a 500 word essay on why The Rock is the best actor in Hollywood these days <laughs> and how diverse, like specifically his diverse uh, acting ability. Mm-hmm. And then every time she mentions it after that, it adds another hundred words she has to put onto it. Um, but we we haven't had any biters on that yet. No. Um, I am going to up the ante. I'm going to double it. So for 10 more or 2 more on top of it, anytime Ryan mentions Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters related things. Is that including the new one? Yes. Dang it. He has to eat a vegetable on the podcast. Yes. (laughs) Can it be corn? Nope. That's a vegetable. I'm going to just bring out some. No starches. No starchy vegetables. No, thank you. Every every month, you're going to buy one every week, and we're just going to have a tray of vegetables, Abba lyrics, and uh, I'll sign your paper right there. Yes. Oh, gosh. So, just to be clear. Just to be clear, the, it, the next $10 is going to go towards Rachel's stretch yes. goal. 
and the additional ten dollars is going to go towards Ryan's stretch goals. Correct. So, um, and if we keep this going, if if this keeps going, we'll we'll drag Ian and John in on it too. If it oh, doesn't no, keep going, right here. no, no, no. <laughs> if it doesn't keep going this month, then next month guaranteed we're going to have Ian and John in it because if we're going to punish ourselves, then no, no, Ian no, is no. going to dress like a lumberjack in the month of, <laughs> month of September I for one of the flannels. costume couture Screw off. episodes. We'll figure something out. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely going to bring all of our people into it. So absolutely, I I think that's great all right guys thank you so much for joining us jordan and chris uh is there a facebook or a twitter or something people can reach out to you if you want to be reached out to if not you can keep your privacy i don't care <laughs> you got a cosplay page jordan I think you got seven likes or eight likes now so maybe you can get oh. i'm up to 77 thank oh, okay. you nice uh, it's, it's just steampunk bane on facebook or that was the old name, or you can look it up in Augustus Clockworks Cosplay Compendium, if you can remember that. Can you spell it? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I had to figure out how to write it all down when I was making the page. So, but, yeah. Uh, I just started a new uh, cosplay page not more than a few months ago, but it's still small. Um, but it's Will Royce Creations, if you want to go give that a like. It's W-I-L-L-R-O-Y-C-E, um, for those of you who don't know how to spell that. Yep. But yeah, uh, please go give it a like. You know, support me because I'm still fresh. Aww. <laughs> and of course... The cosplay hasn't ruined you yet. Not yet, no. Mm. <laughs> give it time. Buster Props. Buster Props, yep. yep. House of Turner Cosplay. And, and Costume if you, Couture. If you had fun, well, give your page a shout out. Siren Ray with yes. a Y. And with a Y. Yeah, because you're fancy. Um, <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, we do it live every thir- or every Tuesday night at... On Twitch. 8... Uh, 8, 8 Central, Central, 9 Eastern. Um, and we had a really active chat tonight. It yeah, was a lot was of fun. Awesome. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really come on, happy. Twitch has a chat, and you can chat with other fans of the show. Um, yeah, we had a lot of fun interacting. I was typing to them throughout some of this. Absolutely, so, yeah. it was good. All right, join us next week. We're going to be talking about Valerian. I should so, probably go see that. Well, we need to as well. <laughs> oh, okay. so. yeah. Got to do it sometime this weekend. All right, guys, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. It is Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.